0: The left corner to Aguila. the left circle. Hashi DL. The shot. Save. Made by Aguila. Three-bound. Another shot. They score! The Blades win it! Yeah! Baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts!
1: Flames Talk starts now on SportsNet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers.
0: From the Scotiabank Saddledome on a Wednesday, April 12th. They're in Vickers of NHL.com. Pat Steinberger with you, uh, Pat Steinberg with you rather from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. It's Game 82. It is. It is Game 82. It's crazy to think. It's too bad this game doesn't have any uh, true meaning when it's all said and done, but it is sure meaningful for Dustin Wolf. He'll play his first and start his first NHL game against the San Jose Sharks on Wednesday on national television in both countries, coast to coast in Canada on Sportsnet and coast to coast on TNT in the United States. So the the Wolf family that is not able to make it to Calgary can watch the game coast to coast on TNT very easily. It sure is meaningful for Matt Coronado. He'll make his NHL debut on national television in both countries. Both players have their parents in town to watch him live. Uh, So while it doesn't mean anything in the standings, and it sucks that this team's going to miss the playoffs, huge night for two big pieces of Calgary's future. Flames fans, at least uh, judging on the response I got from from folks on Twitter, pretty excited uh, since, since Tuesday when we started to get the news and the idea that both these guys were going to play. Less surprise on Coronado, but a really cool move to also make sure that Dustin Wolf is in this mix as well. I think Flames fans are justified to be fired up for a otherwise meaningless Game 82 against the San Jose Sharks. Well,
2: it certainly gives reason for fans to tune in into into this game 82 as you mentioned doesn't necessarily mean anything in the standings but certainly means something to both two of the top prospects in the organization in their families Dustin Wolf Matt Coronado and for Dustin Wolf a little bit serendipitous for me the North California kid makes his debut against the North California team was a big Evgeny Nabokov fan growing up he's from Gilroy California and on top of that he's playing against playing opposite his former goalie coach and Thomas Spear who served in that capacity in 2021-22 with the Stockton Heat basically is like family Wolf told us Wednesday morning so particularly exciting for Dustin Wolf given the opposition given who's going to be in the building on the other side and the team of course he grew up cheering for so for me Excellent time to get Dustin Wolf into his first NHL game, and a little bit of a carrot for him as the Calgary Wranglers look to clinch first in the AHL and what they hope to be a long Calder Cup run. Why you
0: know give no love to Matt Coronado? That's oh, lots
2: of love to Matt Coronado, goodness. but he's been here two weeks. That's Come on, point. Pat. That's good
0: point. Also,
2: um, well, a little serendipitous for him too because he will be playing against. Former
0: Harvard teammate, Henry Thrun. So there you go. Which is pretty neat as well. Uh, We were uh, talking to Henry in the locker. Uh, Did we ask him one question about the Sharks or about him? No, No, it it was, you kind of feel bad
2: for the kid, but he understood and the pair went to dinner last night. So they would have got acquainted again, reacquainted and caught up with each other. And I think Henry Thrun probably understands that, Matt Coronado in a Canadian market on a Canadian team making his debut is a pretty big deal.
0: Let's uh let's spend most of of this hour on Dustin Wolf uh, and this opportunity for him. Because, oh look who's look who's parking Coronado now. Well, I, I've got an entire next hour <laughs> dedicated more more dedicated to him. I know I'm just him. bugging you. So I don't know why you have to uh, why you have to like in with you. Um, we might are we're, we're talking about the one of if not the best goaltending prospect that's not in the NHL right now. If he's not the number one best goaltending prospect outside the NHL, he's one of a very, very select few. Yeah. And I'm sure there would be, you know, goalie experts that would point this guy or that guy. But this is a really exciting moment for him. It's a really exciting moment for Flames fans. And honestly, Matt, I do not care how he plays against San Jose. No. Because here is here is my number one reason why I do not care how Dustin Wolf plays on Wednesday night. Because his first American League game in the, the weird Stockton Heat in Calgary season, uh, going back to 2021, his first American League game, first ever professional game, granted he would have been early 20, maybe even 19 at the time, he got absolutely torched in his first American League game. Got lit up, I think he let in, I don't even rem- remember what it was, but um, it didn't seem to phase him, and it hasn't seemed to uh, really be a harbinger of things to come, so if it doesn't work out and it doesn't go his way, and knock on what it does, I hope it does because that would be an awesome story, but it doesn't really matter no. if he if his first NHL game isn't a banner outing. And if it is, that's awesome. And we'll be buzzing about it on Flames Talk postgame, and it'll be a cool one of the cool moments going into the offseason, like Johnny Gaudreau's first goal in 2014 was, so on and so forth. But I'm not really all that concerned about what I actually see. I'll be watching and I'm I'm going to be interested, but it's it's by no means anything close to the be all and end all because there's gonna be a lot more NHL time for the young man going forward.
2: This is more an educational experience for Dustin Wolf than an evaluation tool as to where he may slot in next season. You really aren't super concerned in game 82 in a throwaway kind of mean-nothing game. It doesn't impact his NHL future, whether he lets in four, whether he lets in one, whether he lets in zero, Sample size certainly isn't going to be there. This is simply a carrot. Uh, welcome to the NHL moment. Uh, let's get it out of the way. This is what you can expect in the years coming. And again, this is a team that's playing their first game since being eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs. No real idea what he might see in front of them. But yeah, this game is not an NHL career-defining game whatsoever. Especially when you look at the sample size of he has over about 100 games in the AHL over what he did in the Western Hockey League with the Everett Silvertips. Doesn't matter if he lets in four or zero; it doesn't change the projection for Dustin
0: Wolf. Well, and unlike this uh, really grumpy texter at uh, nine six four three, um, I'm I'm not I'm not going to limit this guy. I, I'm I'm done limiting guys who play this well at high levels. And and I go back to, remember, and, and I know that Johnny's still a sore spot in this city, and, and rightfully so, but going back to Johnny Gaudreau, in as, as he entered the NHL. Remember, it was like, ah, is this guy, like, are we talking about a guy who's going to be, you know, maybe a fringe NHLer, but maybe a really good American League guy? I'm trying to think of the name um, that everybody who's a Buffalo, pa- was Daniel Paillet people were comparing him to, or Cam Atkinson, people were comparing him to, and no knock on either of those guys, really good hockey players, but Johnny Gaudreau's, a, you know, 90 point player most seasons, or around a 90 point player most seasons in the the NHL and and he was one of those guys that taught me you know what maybe guys who don't look like they will excel at their positions but have excelled at every level along the way I'm kind of done limiting them this is a bonafide blue chip grade a goaltending prospect I don't know what he's going to be in the NHL, but I'm not going to say what he won't be in the NHL because nothing is going to surprise me. And, and I'm not going to sit here and say that he won't be a high end NHL goaltender because in a lot of what you can tell me about a size. You can tell me about other small goaltenders. Absolutely. Sure. But at every other level in his career, it hasn't been a problem. So why wouldn't I believe that he's got a chance to be an, a, a, an elite or a high-end guy at the next level? And goaltending is ridiculous to project. So yep. who, you, you never know, because guys who look elite sometimes don't. But I'm definitely not going to sit here and say it's not going to happen because, as I said, why wouldn't it happen with everything that he's proven you so far? All you can go on is what we have, and anything else is just conjecture and, well, I don't think... I can't sit here and say, no, it's not going to happen, and I don't want to limit the kid. There's a really cool opportunity for him, and I think we're talking about one of the more intriguing prospects, period, in, in hockey going forward here, based on what he's done in the last two or three years.
2: That Johnny Goudreau comparison is curious to me, because all Johnny Goudreau did in the USHL is dominate with Dubuque. Slid in the draft because of his size, dominated at the NCAA level, and then dominated at the NHL level. And I'm not saying Dustin Wolf is going to be the goalie equivalent of Johnny Goudreau, but Dustin Wolf fell in the draft after dominating at Everett because of his size, Goes, advances to a pro in the AHL, dominates the AHL, and now he's getting a sniff at the NHL level. It's curious because he's if he's not the best goalie prospect, he's one of a handful, two, maybe three tops. You think of Viskarov in Nashville. You think yep. of Wallstead in Minnesota to a lesser extent. Sebastian Kosa in the Detroit organization. Dustin Wolf was ranked third in a February ranking at The Athletic by my buddy Scott Wheeler. He's a top three goalie prospect despite his size. You hate to think this way, but if he was 6'3", 6'4", one, he's a top 20 pick in the draft in his draft year. He's probably the top goalie prospect in the world. It's time to stop limiting people based on size. And yes, there are a lot more... Rules and exceptions when it comes to small players. Goudreau is an exception. Wolf is trying to be an exception. But I don't see why you can't look across at the opponent on Monday and go, okay, look at UC Saros. Look yeah. at his size. He's not intimidatingly big, yet it hasn't hindered him any. Yeah. So why would it hinder Dustin Wolf with his speed, the way he processes the game in front of him? There are very few goaltenders at any level that read and react and see the play developing as good as Dustin Wolf has and that's going to be his meal ticket advancing into the NHL.
0: Let's uh, hear from him but before we do that let's hear from head coach Daryl Sutter who was asked about Dustin Wolf's debut. He'll start the game Wednesday night against the San Jose Sharks. Here's the head coach.
3: It's well earned Uh, He had a great freshman year last year first year pro and he's you know he's he's for sure the MVP of in my books not only their team but I think he's close to the league MVP when you look at what they've done in terms of goals against them and his record amount of minutes and games played so it's great for him when Brad and I talked I think it's a really good idea to to play in this game you know they're, they're uh, they they finished with three out in Abbotsford and, and uh, you know it's like a jump start for their playoffs too
4: watched a whole
3: lot of wranglers what does strike you about dustin uh he's uh, two things that I always have, not just wranglers i think that if you go back to his to the junior career and that just that leadership thing you talk about it's really important and then i think the two things that really his his work ethic and his hockey sense like he really knows the game like it and you know that's why he's, i think he's been dominant at the american league levels because that he reads everything so well
0: That is head coach Daryl Sutter on Dustin Wolf's NHL debut. Now let's hear from him as, uh, hey, and I give him credit. He does not typically speak on game days, but uh, he spoke on game day, came out and uh, joined us. I I give him credit. Like that's tough to make a goalie change his routine. So uh, Dustin did come and speak to us on a game day. So tip of the hat there. And uh, Wolf talked about kind of how he's feeling ahead of his first NHL game.
1: You know, I'm trying to uh, maybe downplay it a little bit, but, you know, obviously I'm pretty excited. Um, you of know, dream of this moment your whole life, and, uh, you know, for the day to finally come, it's pretty special and just try to take it on.
4: How'd you find out that you were getting the call?
1: Just show up to the rink yesterday morning and uh, Lover called me in and, uh, you know, I was already packed and ready to go to the airport for Abbotsford and, um, you know, I think it's a pretty special opportunity and i to try and take full advantage of it.
4: Who was your first call?
1: Uh, my mom just told her right away that, you know, I was going to get up, and I, at first I didn't know if I was going to get to play, and, um, you know, they later on told me I was, and thankfully they were able to get on a plane pretty quick and get out here, and, um, you know, I think they're pretty excited for me. For the race, not a shark's spat. <laughs> maybe not. No, it's, uh, you know, I think that's pretty special to play against the team you grew up you know, idolizing, and, um, there's a couple of guys over there that I know, and, uh, you know, obviously pretty excited for it. What up, Mr. is your coach Thomas Spear. I know it's got to be a big thrill for you to be able to be on the ice in the NHL first time with him in the building. Yeah for sure he's pretty much family to me now. Um, you know he took me under his wing during COVID. I lived with him and his family and his kids and um, you know it really got pretty close with him and obviously a close relationship with him last year in Stockton and obviously it was super excited for him to get to, you know a job with the Sharks but disappointed at the same time and you know, for us to cross pass again in my first game is pretty cool. Who were your favorite Sharks players growing up? Uh, Nabokov was my guy growing up. That um, you know, was pretty self-explanatory. It was one of the best there to play and, um, you know, probably one of the biggest reasons I strapped the pads on for the first time. And, you know, I've crossed paths with him a little bit, and, you know, playing the Barracuda. So it's been cool to reconnect with him a little bit and just um, yeah, it was a pretty, pretty cool, for sure. What do you think about the meaning of just representing Gilroy, the fact that it's Northern California and you're getting to the national hockey? Yeah, I mean, it's a small town, right? It's all farmland, and my, my grandparents are farmers. and um, you know, So it's maybe a little unorthodox compared to most Canadian cities or American cities. So um, you know, just try to make my hometown city proud and you know, just try to do my thing out there.
2: So, J.D., when you played in this building, you know it, but when you get out there at this level with this
0: team in that moment, who you be thinking of? Hopefully
1: nobody at the time. I was <laughs> you know, just trying to play my game, but no. Um, you know, we'll go back to all the coaches and players and and staff that helped me get to to this point. And, um you know, there's too many names to rattle off. But super thankful my, for my family, and um, you know, super excited they could be here for this moment with me. And um, you know, hopefully it's the first mine.
0: I... Do you allow yourself to think back from draft day to today? Do you? Do you ever think about the journey?
1: Uh, maybe not too much. I mean, it's been four years now, I think, and I'll uh, you know, just keep trying to prove people wrong, right? And, um, you know, I just try to go out there and stop as many pucks as I can, and if I can do that, I think I'm going to do pretty pretty good job of that. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, just try to get wins for, for our group here.
0: There you go. That is Dustin Wolf, who makes his first NHL appearance and first NHL start Wednesday night when the Flames take on the San Jose Sharks. It's Patton Vickers here on this hour of Flames Talk. Text lines open at 960-960. We'll get some of your thoughts on this as we continue along as well. But a few questions I'll I'll bounce off you. Number one, we don't have to go spend too much time on any one of these, but just knowing how hard goalies are to project. Like, what are we legitimately thinking for this young man's ceiling? We'll spend a little bit more time on that on the round table, but it's just such a dumb position. And I say that <laughs> I say that in the most uh, kind of in the most reverent way. In that I respect what Jordan Sigalette and, and Jason LaBarbera and Ian Clark or oh, any of the goalie gurus that are out there, Kevin uh, uh, Kevin Woodley, like all the the people who understand the position. I don't. I'll be the first one to tell you. I think I can tell you what's a good goal and what's a bad goal, but sometimes even then you can convince me if you know more about the position than I do. I'm like, yeah, okay, okay, good point. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that based on this, that, and this. But it is a silly projection, a, a pr- silly projection game. There are times when a goalie looks unbelievable. I just look the the perfect example, and I don't. I'm not trying to suggest this is going to be Dustin Wolf, but remember how excited. How much excitement existed around Tyler Parsons in this organization? John and Gillies. Never, John Gillies, same thing. And and in both cases, they never quite took that step. Now we're talking about something very different in Wolf. Nobody in this organization has done what he's done. Yeah. Uh, but but I'm just saying, it can be hard to project. And and while I'm not trying to limit, it's just you can't be certain of anything at this silly position, whether it's a guy being good or a guy not being good. But I do think it's fair to say that the ceiling here is a number one goalie in the NHL. That that would be anything under that. I think that you'd be, uh, you, you'd kind of be doing a disservice to the young man.
2: I'm going to steal a Jacob Peltier quote and I'm going to take it out of context. The context was asked about Dustin Wolf in his pregame routine where he does the hop on the ice after the anthems. Peltier says... I don't know how to describe it. And he kind of fumbled for words and fumbled for words. And finally he just said, he's a goalie he's and kind of shrugged his shoulders. Yeah. Well, that's what, that's what I do when it comes to projecting goalies. Well, he's a goalie. he, he could be this, he could be that. Well, it's a goal. <laughs> what a pull. What a pull. Going into the archives, Pat Steinberg. It's one of your favorites. It right? is my number one favorite. Um, in terms of projecting Dustin Wolf and what he could be at the NHL level, I don't know. I don't think there's any reason why he couldn't be a starter at this level. Again, you point to size, I'll point to UC Sarros, who, again, Saros is the exception, not the rule. But Dustin Wolf has the potential to be that, too. Let's just run through a brief history on Dustin Wolf. Baz Bastion Memorial Award is HL Goalie of the Year as a rookie last season. Yep. Two-time Dell Wilson Award winner as WHL Goalie of the Year. That's 2020-2021. This season, he's got a 208 goals against, 932 save percentage, and what is it, seven seven shutouts, something like that? I think all three lead the AHL. By the way,
0: he had zero shutouts last season somehow. I don't know how that's possible.
2: Likely another Baz Bastian is top goalie. Gold at the World Juniors in 2021. I'll be that. That was in a little bit of a, a backup capacity. But he's been the best goalie in every league he's played in over the course of the last four seasons. That should lend a little bit of credence to the fact that he can be the exception, that he can be the undersized goalie that succeeds. There's nothing in his sample size at literally any level he's played at that looks and goes, "Uh, I wonder if. He's just, all he's done along every step of the way of his hockey journey, probably since he was 10, 12 years old to, to now, he's proven that he can be a number one guy wherever he goes, and not just a number one guy, the number one guy in the league. Now, I'm not saying he's a future Vezna trophy winner in the NHL, but all of these things lead you to believe that size hasn't been an issue here, size hasn't been an issue there. It's up to him to make sure size is an issue in the NHL, which is the ultimate challenge. But so far, he's knocked every challenge out of the park that he's faced in his career.
0: And you also, you point out Saros, I'll also point out Jonathan Quick and and Tim Thomas as two other very good goalies at the NHL level recently that were not the... I mean, Tim Thomas looked like a child (laughs) compared to other NHL... If you were to put... Tim Thomas in goalie gear and Jacob Markstrom in goalie gear. Tim Thomas would look like, he, you know, it's Jacob's sons. Sons here. Tim Thomas was five eleven. Uh, jo- Jonathan Quick 6'1". You already mentioned UC Saros. Dustin Wolf six feet. He's put on some bulk. Uh, even standing beside him in the locker room after morning skate, you're like, okay, you know what? He's he's bulked up for sure. So I is it is it something that I understand why people are like, well, wait a second. But at the same time, I don't think it needs to limit you. When you have the the athleticism and the competitiveness that he does, much like Thomas, much like Quick, much like Sorrows had or have now that's what's going to And You talked about his, Daryl Sutter talked about it, you talked about it, his ability to read the game, understand the game, and anticipate the game. That's going to be his calling card because he's never going to be taller than six feet. He's not going to all of a sudden turn into Ben Bishop overnight. This is something that he has had to deal with his entire career and to this point has been able to overcome it. And, and not just overcome it, but thrive with it.
2: From a scouting perspective, hockey sense might be the most underrated thing when when you look at goalies and when fans try to evaluate goalies because if you can't read the play, you're not going to understand where the play is going. You're not going to be in position to stop it. Second thing is how quick he needs to be. He is so fast laterally and also, um, I was going to say vertically. That doesn't quite work, although if you see his hops after the anthem, you'll you'll understand the vertical part. He goes north, south, east, west, equally fast. I do wonder if... Um, John Gillies and the Parsons experience have, have made Calgary Flames fans question any goaltending prospect that comes through the organization because at one point Parsons was a blue-chip prospect, had that outstanding World Juniors, had an amazing run with London. Then you look at John Gillies and his sheer size to start with and what he was able to do with Providence. I can understand the tentativeness of Calgary Flames fans. You, you can really get behind Dustin Wolf here.
0: Cheer him on. And if it doesn't work out, you're still talking about a guy who was yeah. taken in the seventh round.
2: If do you it, remember being there? And I do. Last player in attendance, if I I'm not mistaken. The, the cheer. Yeah,
0: we were we were there, and uh, we were gearing up for the Roxy later on that evening, and uh, with the Terminator, with, uh, with Terminator <laughs> Wes Gilbertson, and uh, and and next thing you know, uh, you hear this scream in the crowd. You're like, "Whoa this this person must be here," and indeed he was, um, and and you can understand why. Uh, and, coming from uh, the Pacific Northwest on one side of the border to yep. the Pacific Northwest on the other side. So uh, very neat, and I'm happy for him. Okay, here's another question. I think you know my answer to it. but and I,
2: I Do you want to answer first, then?
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll answer okay. first. Because um, I know that lots of people disagree with me. But should he have been playing in the NHL earlier this year? My answer is is very, very firmly no. My, my belief has always been that... I don't think you want to rush a young goaltender. And this is a different situation. This is a game that doesn't mean anything at the end of a season, and you know he's going to go back to the American League. But during the mess of this season, where it was such a mess that this game, 82, means nothing in the standings for them, I didn't want to bring that guy into that and also ask him to try to save the season for the Flames, knowing how much this league can eat up and spit out young goaltenders. So no, I don't believe he should have been playing earlier. This is the first time I've believed it has made sense, and I've been pretty consistent with that all along. If they're playing meaningful, meaningless games, then yeah, I think he should play in the NHL. And I've got another question to follow up on this, but I'm curious as to where you are on that.
2: I'm kind of of the exact same mind you are, so I'm not going to necessarily feel the need to kind of double up on what you said, but here's the scenario I see playing out tonight. He's going to either get a shutout or allow one goal and make 30 saves. And then the fan base is going to go, he should have been in there all along. He should have jumped Markstrom. He should have jumped Vladar. He could have been the savior to the season. I'm almost willing to put money on it. I'm not all the way willing to put money on it. Almost willing to put money on it. that That's how it goes. He has an incredibly sensational debut. And then the fan base goes, he should have been in the net from February on. And just, it'll, it'll be great for the text line,
0: 960-960. I just don't think it's... I don't think it's fair to say that he should have been. I, agree. I think him playing in the. Now, here is the really fun question: Should they make room for him next season at the NHL level in some form or another? How do you handle a potential organizational three-headed monster next year? Now, I've got a fairly, I, what I believe anyway, is okay, a I'm fairly gonna... compelling suggestion, but you go first. So
2: I think it all depends on training camp, and you give him a lot of runway in training camp, and if he shows in training camp that he's able to give it a go in some capacity, then I think he can force someone out, and I think he should force someone out. Now, I say this because depending on how this, the playoffs, the Call of the Cup playoffs play out, I'm not sure what, le- what else he has left to prove at the AHL level. He's going to be a back-to-back goalie of the year winner. I don't think there's any disputing that. Uh, incredible numbers that just keep improving. He went from a 2.35 GAA to a 2.08 this year, 9.24 save percentage last year to 9.32 this year, seven shots. I don't know what he's got left to prove at the AHL level. Now, there'll be some of, of the mind that there's no such thing as over in the AHL, and I get that argument. But if he comes in guns blazing in training camp, I think you've got to make room for him. That's where I stand.
0: So what does that look like
2: to you? I don't know yet. I don't have an answer to that question. Well, I don't you, know. can't, you can't make well, a you're not, statement. You're not, well, put it this way. You're not rolling with three goalies for 82 games in so you'd seven months. So you move one of your guys? I, yes, but I don't know what I'd move. I, I don't know what the market Fair. is. I don't know that. But if he proves, and maybe you give him a month into the NHL season as you roll with three, and then you make your decision. But if he proves that he can hang, you've got to move him up.
0: So here is my because I'm not there with you. I think overripening is always the way to go. I think slow playing this, maybe even deliberately. And I know that I piss a lot of people off when I say this, and and I always get people chirping me on Twitter or on the text line about this or but, across the table. Uh, I I think deliberately slow playing it is the way to go. We're not. Yeah. He doesn't even turn 22 until I think Sunday of this week. So he's still very early in his 20s and so my my what i believe is a compelling suggestion anyway you can be the judge of that uh is i think you've got a really cool opportunity next year to use the fact that the wranglers are in the same city and so i don't think you just stick in the american league all year but i think that you can manage your roster with three goalies, but not always have three goalies okay. on your roster. And, and look, you know, if Jacob Markstrom does not have the bounce-back year that everybody is hoping or that I think that he will, well, then I think that there's even more reason. But if you can go from playing one NHL game this year for Wolf to maybe next year he plays 10 to 12, and you find spots to get him in if he continues to light up the American League like he is, you find spots to get him in that make sense with his team schedule in the American League, that makes sense that while the team... Is here in Calgary and you don't have any commute time or anything like that. I think you've got a unique opportunity okay. to take that next step. I don't think you need to rush it and go from Dustin Wolf American League this year to full time NHL or next year. Maybe you can take that next step where it's kind of a hybrid next year. You are one of, I don't know, four or five teams in in the NHL that can do that easiest with the proximity to your American League team Vancouver can do it and and Toronto can do it and San Jose can do it and a few others can do it but why not use that to your advantage um and then see how that goes and then all of a sudden because I don't know if training camp and the preseason is quite enough to be able to then move one of your two proven goaltenders well, win say your add a goal month to it. Okay, yeah, and and, yeah. and but so say that you're able to in the first half of the season get him seven or eight starts by by being a little bit um, creative with it, and then he's like, okay, okay, now we're starting. To, then I think maybe you can start to have that conversation about making room for him the next year. So again, yeah. it's all about slow playing it for me, and and that's the way I would do it.
2: I don't mind that spot start scenario. And again, you are, given the luxury of it, sharing a building, sharing a city with your AHL franchise. Your AHL team would probably need to carry three goalies then, but that's not as big of a deal. But what happens if he's at six, seven, eight starts by the end of November, end of December, and his numbers are clear-cut the best? Then do you look at graduating him and making a move? Like what under the scenario that you've pitched, if he looks the best, you're comfortable graduating and then moving a goalie?
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, that's kind of what I'm you saying. Know, then
2: we can get on board with that. I can I can buy
0: what you're selling there. I just wouldn't make moves this summer. Okay, and and. We're we're
2: on the same page on that front.
0: Uh, Let's read a few texts at 960-960. Greg in Varsity says, Pat, Florida did that with Spencer Knight two seasons ago. He'd play weekends in the American League and one game during the week for the Panthers. And Spencer Knight's kind of a very similar situation. We're talking about one of the best goaltending prospects outside of the NHL at the time. That's kind of what I'm thinking. I I don't think you need to to rush it all the way. Uh, Noah says, you know what's bad for a goalie's con? confidence is keeping him in the American League too too long. Wolf deserves the opportunity to compete for the backup spot. Well, what I what I just suggested I don't think is doing that. I think that's a really really good compromise and a good way of not rushing a guy, a good way of you still have your two guys that yep. are proven here in the NHL. So, yeah, that's uh, I I, um, I don't think that's what I'm saying, Noah. Um, this says, um, trade Vladar over the summer or at the draft. Uh, Wolf's body of work speaks for itself. Uh, this says, I agree you don't want to rush a goalie or ripen, but at what point do you lose engagement or trust in the player with regards to management? If he's accomplished everything that can be accomplished, at what point does frustration and stagnation set in? If I were the best at my company at my job and was consistently held back from promotions and proper pay at a certain point I'd look for somewhere else to work and again that's why I'm suggesting somewhat of a hybrid because what if he's not ready and now all of a sudden you're in a situation where you could set him back I think by doing this you kind of protect yourself I, I would much rather be cautious while also providing an opportunity without completely derailing or stunting one of my one or two top prospects' development, I really would. Yeah. Uh, this says, didn't the Oilers do this with Skinner last year? Bounced up and down for a few games here and there. Uh, they that did. That was mostly
2: injury related, though, is not it? I, with believe, I believe it Koskinen. was. Then, yeah.
0: um, this says it's good to see these two players making their debuts tonight. However, I think it's too soon for a lot of fans to be excited, especially if this coach that doesn't play young players around. Um, this says um, from Brenda. Don't think you're giving the fan base much credit. We're usually quite reasonable. We're not going to label Wolf as a season savior if he a, has a great outing tonight. I'm, who suggested that they that they would?
2: Oh, I was just saying he's going to come in and let set the world on fire oh, one game, okay. and then the discourse will be, well, why didn't he start three weeks ago, a month ago, so on? And uh, so forth. no,
0: no. All I was saying is that had they brought him in, it wouldn't have been from a fan standpoint. It would have just been like a, from an organizational standpoint to put those type of expectations on him. Uh this says if I just started to listen, I think you were talking about Matt Phillips best on his team at every level played. Congratulations to Wolfie though. Hopefully he'll be a star in the NHL. Uh, two more quick ones. This says, uh, do the guys tonight burn a year in contracts for only playing one game? Well, Coronado already has burnt a year. So that already happened the second that his uh, contract was registered with the NHL. As for Wolf, he's on an entry level contract. That's already started to, to roll. So, um, there's no implications contract wise right. for these guys playing. The only thing that uh, there is implication with is a nice little, uh, nice little specialty for Dustin Wolf, a couple days' worth of NHL pay. Uh,
2: a little carrot for him, too.
0: Uh, and a good carrot, absolutely. And somebody asked, what numbers are the rookies wearing? Uh, Matt Coronado, 39, Dustin Wolf, 32 for Wednesday's game against San Jose. It's Pat and Aaron. We're underway this hour of FlameStalk. Thanks for being with us on Podcaster. If you're listening live, we're coming at you from the Doug Lacy's Basement Systems Hot Stone Cracked foundation Boeing foundation walls they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation contact basement systems they're all things basementy visit dlbasementsystems.com hey it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic for a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast while you're there please rate and review the show Flamestock
1: is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary
0: this Wednesday brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Pre-select your summer tire package now and they'll store your winter tires all summer long. This program is available until they run out of space. Visit Mercedes-BenzCountryHills.ca It's Pat, uh, Aaron Vickers of NHL.com. Now the voice of the Flames Derek Wills joins us to complete our daily Flames roundtable. Let's talk about the two debuts on this Wednesday night. Game 82 at the Scotiabank Saddledome and uh, we'll start with uh, Matt Coronado. We spent the first half of this hour talking about Dustin Wolf. So let's talk about the other guy who's debuting on Wednesday night. And that's Matt Coronado. He'll make his NHL debut. And I'll just ask the the question simply on both guys. Gents, what do we make, what do we think, rather, uh, this young man's NHL ceiling could be?
4: Well, I would say that uh, the two guys who are making their NHL debuts tonight, uh, for me at least, are tied as the Flames' top two prospects. And I would probably put Dustin Wolf ahead of Matt Coronado, but as you guys talked about in the first segment in this 4 o'clock hour, goaltenders are so hard to project. You know, we thought the Flames were loaded in net for a while there with David Riddick and John Gillies and Tyler Parsons, who once upon a time was considered by most to be the team's top prospect, but you just never know how they're going to work out. As far as Matt Coronado is concerned, He is a right winger, which has been a position of need for the Flames for, well, ever since I came to Calgary back in 2014. And he is a guy who can score with relative ease. The Flames don't have a lot of those guys. And that's why I'm so excited about Coronado as a prospect, uh, consistent in his two years at Harvard with uh, 18 goals and 36 points in 34 games as a freshman and 16 goals and 36 points in 34 games as a sophomore. So uh, a guy who played at a pretty high level with the Crimson, and I'm looking forward to seeing him in his uh, first NHL game and his first professional game tonight. And really what's a shame, fellas, and and maybe – I'm looking at this uh, through rose-colored glasses as a guy who spent 13 years calling games in the American Hockey League. It's too bad yeah. the Flames couldn't send him down to the Wranglers, whether it be for some regular season games or a Calder Cup playoff run because, you know, he's the type of guy who could potentially put a team over the top with his skill set, and even if that weren't to happen, he is a guy who could gain some really valuable experience playing at the AHL level. I understand why the Coronado camp went down the road. They did. Uh, they wanted to burn a year. They wanted to get some NHL money. And uh, uh, if they had signed uh, an ATO in the AHL, that uh, wasn't on the table for them. So I'm excited to see him tonight. And uh, he gets a chance to play with uh, two high-energy players in Nazem who who's won a cup, and uh, Jacob Peltier, who hasn't played in forever. So uh, of all the lines that uh, the Flames will have in the ice tonight for this game against the
2: Sharks, uh, that's the one I'm looking most forward to seeing. Yeah, I'm most curious about that one as well. And if they so happen to get 20 minutes of ice time, hey, so be it. I'd love to see what Pelche and Coronado can do together with Nazem Kadri down the middle as the veteran. Coronado, I mean, his resume speaks for himself. You ran through the stats. He was the second All-American team All-Star this year. Um, last season, A- or ECAC All-Rookie Team NCAA champion. Year before that in the USHL with the Chicago Steel. Led the league with 48 goals was USHL four of the Year and a Clark Cup champion. So he's got a winning pedigree. He's got a pedigree that shows that he can produce at any level in terms of what his ultimate upside is in the NHL. To me, he's going to slot nicely on that right side, probably as a second line winger, maybe a guy that goes second line, third line that can be used with a variety of guys in a variety of situations, sort of a... Not a fixer as we've seen some of the other guys on the Calgary Flames roster, but a guy that is comfortable playing with multiple players to me. uh, His ultimate upside would be a second line right winger.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, a. I think. A top six, like yeah. top six right yeah. wing is where I see the ceiling. Um, I think that you take a look. He, he put up ridiculous numbers with Chicago yeah. and the USHL and very good numbers at Harvard.
4: And that team's pumped out a lot of good players over the years.
0: The Steel? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of them. Yeah. Um, and he put up like just really good numbers. Uh, nothing that you know, nothing that was crazy. Nothing like um, like what Johnny Gaudreau put up at Boston College or or even some of the. But still, good numbers. And he's a natural shooter and a natural scorer. I think we're talking about a guy that if if he hits the potential is kind of a, an everyday. If he's in, on your top line, like. Either Tafoli-ish type guy right. is is I, like to me a Tafoli comparison isn't all that crazy. I think Coronado skates a little bit better than Tafoli does, but I think similar skill sets, similar things that people talk about, good head thinks the game well, decent away from the puck. And, you know, Tyler Toffoli has been a top-line right wing on this team all year long. Is he a top-line right wing on every team? Maybe not, but he's clearly a top-six right winger. That's kind of in and around where I see the ceiling for Coronado.
4: Yeah, and what excites me most is him having an opportunity to play in his first NHL game, and for Flames fans to get a chance to see him. Uh, and his future Calgary Wranglers teammate uh, also play in his first NHL game. It's been a tough season for the fan base in this city, and uh, they get a couple of carrots tonight.
0: Do you you think that Coronado in the American League next year?
4: Yeah, maybe I shouldn't assume that uh, Wolf will be in the AHL next year. Maybe that is uh, (laughs) jumping to a conclusion too soon, but I do think that uh, unless something changes here, I think you guys know where I'm going with that, that the chances are Coronado will start in the AHL. That's just generally been the way things have worked with Daryl Sutter young players have to prove it at the AHL level first and then at the NHL level and even when that happens uh, sometimes they have to prove it again
2: yeah it's hard to disagree with that but again just like I kind of mentioned with Dustin Wolf um, a little while ago training camp will play a big role into determining where he goes but you'll probably err on the side of caution with a 20 year old 21 year old who's will at that point have one professional game under his belt yeah. I think there's no problem being patient with Coronado in this case. I,
4: I think he'd have to absolutely blow everybody away at training camp. Now, remember back in the fall of 2016, I think the Flames had it written in pencil that Matthew Kachuk was going back to junior. That didn't happen because he stole someone's job. So I think Matthew Coronado is a little older, a little bit more mature player would have to do the same uh, fellow first round pick, not taken as high as Kachuk, who was sixth. Coronado went 13th, but, uh, uh, I guess I shouldn't put that glass ceiling on
0: him. Uh, Daily Flames roundtable. Derek, Aaron, Pat on this Wednesday. I had a game 82 with the Scotia Bank Saddledom. Same question. And maybe it's a little easier to answer because there's really only a few different slots that a goalie can, uh, can, can really kind of slide into. But what's the NHL ceiling, guys, for Dustin Wolf?
4: I have no idea. That's the truth. He's an outlier because of his size. Now, he's about the same size height-wise as UC Saro's who's also an outlier because of his lack of size, but has turned in one of the best goaltenders in the league. And uh, I think there's a good chance for a second straight season, he's going to be a finalist for the Vesna trophy. So if he could overcome long odds, why can't Dustin Wolf? Although you might argue that his odds are longer selected in the seventh round, 214th overall back in 2019. He was the last goaltender taken and the fourth last player selected in that draft. So, For him to have the AHL career that he's had so far, uh, I think he's already beat the odds. Uh, For him to play in an NHL game isn't something that I think anybody expected or very few people expected when he was taken that late in the draft. But maybe we should have given the kid more credit. Uh, And I do give the Flames credit uh, for Buying a lottery ticket on Dustin Wolf. Won uh, WHL's top goaltender in both 20 and 21. Uh, Was a CHL goaltender of the year in 20. Was the AHL's best goaltender last season. And guys, when you look at his numbers... He leads the league in wins with 41, in shutouts with 7, in goals against average at 2.08, and in save percentage, 9.32. So in other words, he leads the American Hockey League in absolutely everything in the 53 games that he's played with the Wranglers this season. I reached out to my old friend Jason Chamovich, who runs the communications department for the AHL. They will hand out the Baz Bastian Award next Wednesday. I think it's safe to say that Dustin Wolf will win it and will become the first goaltender in AHL history to win it in back-to-back seasons. They hand out the Les Cunningham Award for AHL MVP next Friday, and I think he's got a great chance to become the first goaltender since Flames goaltending coach Jason LaBarbera to win that award. He won it with the Hartford Wolf Pack back in 2004, so I am so excited to see Dustin Wolf tonight. And how cool is it that this native of Gilroy, California, which is about a 30-minute drive from San Jose, who grew up cheering for the Sharks, gets to make his NHL debut at Scotiabank Saddledome against the team that he used to like. I think that's pretty cool.
2: And against his former goalie coach and Thomas Spear as well, who he likened to as a a family member, he told us Wednesday morning. Clean sweep in terms of the statistics in the AHL amongst goaltenders. You'd have to like his... I don't know if odds is the right word. You, you have to like the thought of him being AHL MVP overall. We want to get into some vitals because UC Saros is the comparison. We'll all mm-hmm. lean on immediately. Saros listed at 5'11", 180 at age 27, according to NHL.com. Dustin Wolf, 6'166", as Pat mentioned earlier. Looks a little thicker than 166. Now he's put on a little bit to his frame, not to the detriment of speed, as the statistics will clearly show. But I think that the, that's the ballpark you're talking here when you're talking about Dustin Wolf, and you want to talk about glass ceilings and this and that, and while he's undersized, yeah, UC Saros is kind of the exception of the rule, but everything we've seen from Dustin Wolf, you ran through the accolades, whether it be WHL, CHL, AHL goalies of the year, there's no reason why Dustin Wolf can't continue that trend into the NHL.
0: Well, for me, Dustin Wolf's ceiling is an elite NHL goalie. Like yeah. That's that's his ceiling. Whether or not he gets there or not, I don't know, but he's everything that he's shown us, I think you have to believe that that at the very least that's a possibility or there's the capability of it because – at every other level and i know the american league ain't the nhl and neither is the western league and so on and so forth but at every level this guy has not just excelled he's dominated so to to be as dominant as he's been you know the the west west gilbertson um terminator west threw out uh, <laughs> a stat a couple i think it was uh last week we were talking about it he's one of three goalies in the american league in the last like 40 years to record 40 wins in a season it's been him Peter Budai and Ryan Miller and you have to go back to Gary Chevers as the last guy to do it before those three like he has done historical things in the American League and historical things for a guy who's not even 22 years old so for me I don't know goaltending is so silly to project mm-hmm. but if if his ceiling is in in my opinion if his ceiling is anything lower than You know, this guy could be an elite NHL goaltender. I I think you're doing him a disservice.
4: And I asked someone uh, on Monday about Dustin Wolf. I thought it was a good time to ask because UC Saros was in the building, and that's the comparison we hear most often. And I was told that there are a lot of things that are similar between the two guys. They're both undersized by NHL standards, but both around the same size. And the exciting thing about Dustin Wolf is that He has done everything to overcome not being a big goaltender in a league full of big goalies like Jacob Markstrom because he has a really high hockey IQ and is a goalie that allows you to read the play and and get to where you need to be quicker. He's also really fast on his feet, and he does a really good job making himself look big in the net, even though, again, he's quite often smaller than the guy at the other end of the ice. So I'm really excited about Dustin Wolf and... Just thinking ahead, guys, what happens if the Flames come to the conclusion, and I'm not saying that's going to happen based on him playing one NHL game. It's more based on his body of work and two seasons as a pro, but what what happens if they come to the conclusion that he's ready to be in NHL their next season? What do you do? Because you've got Jacob Markstrom for three more years and Dan Vladar for two. Well, moving Markstrom after the season he's had would be a challenge, especially with his contract. What if it was a scenario like what the Predators did when they had Pekka Rene as a veteran goaltender who was still really good, and UC Soros as the up-and-comer. Rene got the bulk of the starts, Soros got his share, and then gradually over two or three years... It kind of flipped to the other side. The passing of the torch, right? The passing of the torch is a great way to put it. So I do wonder if that's on the table for the
2: Flames. If not this offseason, then maybe next. Well, Daryl did say this morning that he feels like the Calgary Flames have one of the deepest organizations in the league when it comes to goal, despite everything that's happened this year. They're one of the deepest organizations when it comes to netminders. It's not hard to see. You talk about the hockey sense in, in uh, both Saros and Wolf. The other thing Wolf has going for him is his patience, which is aided by his quickness. He can outwait shooters he can wait for the shooter to make the first move, at least at the AHL level and certainly the Western Hockey League level. He can wait for that shooter to indicate what's going to happen and then react to that because of the speed of his game. It's up to him to see show that he can do that at the NHL level yeah. as well.
4: And I'll just say that to Dustin Wolf has me as excited as anybody to watch a Calder Cup playoff game in person for the first time since I called Game 7 of the 2011 Western Conference Final between the Hamilton Bulldogs and the now defunct Houston Arrows. It's been over a decade since I've seen a Calder Cup playoff game in person and looking forward to seeing Wolf and the Wranglers uh, hopefully play plenty of them this spring.
0: Uh, that's your Daily Flames Roundtable. He's Derek Wills. He's Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg, and that is your Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Pre-select your summer tire package now, and they'll store your winter tires all summer long. This program's available until they run out of space. Visit mercedesbenzcountryhills.ca.